love that song. And of course, that was Groovin'. That came out in, I believe, 1967 by the Young Rascals. Uh, you know, well, good morning, and welcome to WIZM, the Plant Doctor Show. You know, if anybody has ever listened to the show in the past, they kind of know that when I recommend a remedy for an issue, I often go straight to the use of pesticides. Uh, be it insecticide, fungicide, or an herbicide. And I've been told many times, and I've gotten a lot of nasty emails uh, about this. And, you know, the season isn't even here, and yet I'm getting these emails uh, still from people saying, you shouldn't, you know, use pesticides. Don't tell people to use pesticides, blah, 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 blah. And, you know... There are methods out there which are better for the environment. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but that's you can't rely on a lot of those methods. Usually by the time somebody's uh, contacted me <coughs> about a problem, it's gotten too late for going the holistic route. Usually uh, the holistic routes that actually work are, uh, oh, how would you put it, preventative-type uh, measures and uh, such uh, before a problem starts. Uh, there are very, very few natural remedies for actual issues uh, out there that do the trick. Uh, and by the time somebody, you know, calls into the show, it's not – there. I've yet to receive a phone call. What's the best way to keep this from happening in the future? It's always, hey, I've got this happening. How do you fix it? So at that point, yeah, you pretty much, you've got to weigh things out. And things that you need to take into uh, account would be the aesthetic value of the plant or area that you're talking about. Uh and also, you need to uh, look at, you know, I hate to be mercenaric, but, you know, how much is this going to cost me? Uh, there are, you know, many different ways of taking care of an issue, but usually the cheapest is the one that takes care of it right away. And, uh, you know, going this long, dragged-out route, uh, for taking care of an issue isn't always the best, uh, you know, thing to do. But even though organic gardening is becoming all the rage of late, and uh, you know we can grow our own food, there's no doubt about it, and we can save the world from all those evil pesticides and chemicals at the same time. Uh, right? But that depends on which side of the fence you're standing. Personally, I like to sit on the fence and look at both sides of the uh, field and, uh, you know, take it in everything. Then I'll make my opinion. But first, let's take a look at organics as a whole. And, you know, what does it actually mean? And I figure we talk about that today. It's, uh, you know, not quite springtime yet, but everybody's getting in the spring mode, even though we've got, you know, a doomed forecast ahead, this major winter storm coming in in the middle of the week. 
But, hey, we're supposed to have a major winter storm last week, and it never happened, at least up here. So maybe this one won't happen either. But who knows? It might. But, uh, yeah, looking at organics as a whole, if you take a walk down uh, through a grocery store nowadays, you see things, uh, natural this and organic that, all over the shelves. And it's really easy to pick these out because natural and organic products are normally about twice to three times the uh, normal price of uh, the other products that are out there. And, you know, there reasons, there's a couple of really good reasons for it. No, people are not making money on the term, or well, maybe some people are, but uh, the grocery store isn't making a lot of extra money on the term organic. There's reasons behind they, the, that they're so expensive. And I figure we get into that a little bit. But we do have a caller coming in, so let's go ahead and jump over to the phone lines. And we've got two open ones, too, at 608-785-7914. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show. Who's this? This is Lynn. Lynn, did you say? Lynn. Hi. What can I do for you? Yeah, I got an African violet question. Oh, fire away. Okay. I Somebody gave me several African violets, and in one of the pots it's a ceramic pot, and it's like a four-by-four four pot, and they got two of them in there, one's bigger, one's smaller. I like to divide those into separate pots, but the one, the bigger one, is starting to bud and bloom. Now, would this be a good time to do it or what? Not really. Uh, well, we can get it. go ahead and do, do the separating, but you can expect the other plant to go into shock. Okay. And uh, so you're probably going to lose the other, you know, buds for right now. But the good thing is this is winter that's... I'm surprised it's uh, coming into bloom this early. Uh, generally, they don't really kick up until March. So while uh, you're getting an early start on it, go. I would go ahead and do it. Uh, and, you know, just realize that you're going to bring the plant back to go. Okay, yeah, because one of them, they have like about ten flowers all over it. Oh, okay. Yeah, so every one of them is budding and blooming. Mm-hmm. And if you're really careful, I mean, how close together are they planted? They're in a four-inch pot. Oh, so they are. Yeah, they're snuggling good. A four-inch pot, two plants, you know you may want to just uh, up that into a larger pot and not separate it. Like a six-inch? Yeah, and keep the two of them together. Because those uh, those roots are going to be so intertwined that you're not going to be able to really do a good job at separating them. All right. So just basically with a cactus succulent soil like it's in? Mm-hmm. A good, airy soil. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you water it, always water it from uh, below. Correct. Uh, or you, you can water it from a top, too. And a lot of times with people with African violets and they are using the cactus soils, they water it from the bottom, they water it from the bottom, and after a couple of months of doing that, you get all this, like, whitish residue on the surface of the soil. Yes. And that's just salts and stuff, natural salts that are in the soil that are leaching up through the uh, soil. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, back. thanks. All you have to do to get rid of that is pull leaves up and water down into it without getting mm-hmm. the leaves wet. Well, I usually butt chug them, so. Oh, okay. <laughs> With distilled water. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll work, too. Okay, okay thanks, day. Mike. You have a great day now. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. And yeah, whoops. get rid of that one there. 
Yeah, uh, African violets uh, this time of the year, if they are planted that close together, you really don't want to uh, try to tear them apart and do uh, two separate uh, plants. But, okay, back to talking about organics. Uh, let's see. Let's go ahead and take a break here, too. <coughs> we'll be back here at 1410 WYZM, the Plant Doctor Show, in just a minute. Give us a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we are back. At, you know, usually I won't talk about the news or stuff like that uh, into the show, but I really wish they'd stop using these Californian agendas for headlines and news stories because it doesn't really reach, uh, pertain that much to the rest of the country. Uh, California wants to do away with uh, gas cars, you know, by 2035. Hey, by all means, go for it. Hey, you know, it's your state, your sovereign area. Go do what you want to do. Uh, but, you know, the rest of the country isn't going by that, so why are you throwing out these headline stories like that? But, oh, well, it is what it is. Now, today we are talking about organics, which I guess is something that they talk about an awful lot in California. But, uh, and why organics isn't always the best route to go. And uh, just to prove it when you know you go to the grocery store i was saying before that you know you're walking down the aisle and you see all this stuff it's you know two to three times more expensive than the same products that are you know two aisles down in the normal shelves but these products here are grown organically and at first sight you would think they'd be cheaper because you know hey the farmers not have to pay for all these uh you know, the pesticides uh, and you know, these chemical means that, after all, natural means cheap too, right? And uh, well, the main reason why they're so much more expensive is, okay, look at it like this. Say you've got a 10-acre farm. I know that's small, but uh, say you've got 10 acres and you expect... Uh, you know, there'd be some damage, you know, some normal damage due to disease or insects or what have you. So let's knock off one of those acres. And that means out of uh, the 10 acres that you own, now you're selling nine acres worth of produce uh, to be utilized down the line uh, to the suppliers and to the grocery stores and eventually to us. So, And that's to be taken into account. And, you know, that extra uh, one acre, and that's, you know, it is what it is. But when you're uh, growing organically, that, that one out of uh, the ten acres, and this is not not an exact uh, percentage, okay, so please don't go calling me on that. I'm just making this up for example. Out of that ten-acre farm, when you're looking at using organics, you might be getting three acres worth of food and, you know, uh, seven acres worth of waste because it takes that much extra effort and area to grow the food that's needed and uh, the produce. 
because you've got insects going after it. You've got disease. Uh, weeds are kicking in and overgrowing uh, the crops. And, yeah, you can grow organically, but it's going to be more expensive. And uh, there are, you know, there's trade-offs. Uh, yeah, you can get away from using all those chemicals, but you are going to wind up paying more. Now, bringing it down to our level, you know, the homeowner, the backyard gardener and such, we don't have that much room for error. So, you know, there's different organic products out there. Uh, okay, let, an organic product for grub control, Milky Spore. Uh, it was uh, a big deal a few years back. It was being pushed in the back of gardening magazines and uh, such across the country. Now, Milky Spore is actually, <laughs> if you come down and think of it, it's biological warfare against uh, the uh, grubs because what you're doing is you're introducing a fungus that makes the soil not inhabitable for the uh, grubs to uh, go to. So, uh, okay, there, you're bringing in a fungus. Uh, and, uh, you know, not all funguses are bad. Some funguses are really good. I love mushrooms on my pizza. But, uh, you know, this one here is one that uh, is probably not going to hurt a human at all. But now milky spore it comes up from the southern states where it's a lot warmer. Number one, it will not last the season up here. Uh, it will not go from year to year to year. You have to keep reapplying it because any uh, the fungus that is left in the ground come uh, fall is going to die oh. You know, go it over winter. And the other issue with milky spore is it doesn't work in all soil. You need to have a good, very loamy soil in order for it to work well in. A heavy clay-type soil, well, it will not work in, and it will also not work in a very sandy-type soil. And unfortunately, in this area here, that's pretty much what we got. It's either heavy clay, you know, you get out into the uh, coolies, and you've got, you know, three inches of topsoil and clay underneath. Or, uh, you know, you get down towards the uh, river, and you have sand. The same thing, you know, the three inches of topsoil and then sand. It, the milky spore is not going to last that well. And so it's a waste of your money to even try using it in this area. Very honestly, uh, there's very few people that have the correct uh, soil that it can work in. Plus, it's also very, very expensive to apply. Uh, when they say, yeah, this treatment, uh, it's only 1995. And if you read the uh, fine print, uh, generally that 1995 covers maybe 200 square feet. Uh, and people's uh, lawns are a lot bigger than that. So uh, you're going to wind up, you know, shelling out some serious bucks for a product that doesn't work. Uh, it's just, you know, the way things are. And 
going back to you know to the farmer. They're trying to get products to the uh, suppliers uh, that in turn sell them to the grocery stores. And that, mind you, everybody's got to make a profit in the, uh, all the way through this process. Uh, the farmers that are going full organic do not make as much of a profit, but still they have the same needs, you know, the same bills and everything else, so they've got to bring in the same amount of money. So they're not going to be producing as much edible food, so, of course, those prices are going to go up. And the distributor is going to jack his uh, rates and pass them on to the grocery store, who's going to jack their uh, prices and pass them along to you. And, unfortunately, we're the you know end of the uh, chain in that case. But does organic always mean Good. No, uh, you know, granted, uh, uh, there are organic means out there that are very good, wholesome uh, ways of taking care of problems. Order, but the thing is, organic doesn't mean safe. Uh, there is no, comp- you know, way comparison. Whatever, organic does not equal safe. Uh, some of the strongest poisons that we have today, ricin, uh, is 100% organic. 100%. Cyanide, 100% organic. Arsenic, 100% organic. Roatone, 100% organic. And... So, you know, just because uh, it's organic doesn't mean it's safe. I mean, heck, if you look at it, uh, even poison ivy and poison oak, they're both 100% organic. So is burning nettles. And for that matter, gasoline is even 100% organic. All organic means that is that it has a carbon base to it. When you break it down, it comes from uh, a carbon-based uh item and that's all organic means uh there's a big difference between organic and natural but natural isn't all that wrapped up either so you know that great either because all those other things are natural too but uh we'll get back to talking about that when we come back we're gonna have to take a break and take care of a little bit of news and a little bit of business, but we'll be back here in a couple of minutes. If you'd like to weigh in on this, uh, please do. If you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, it could be about your lawn, uh, thinking ahead to doing some planting or repairing out there. Uh, possibly you're thinking about putting in a garden, your trees or shrubs. When's the best time to do any pruning? Can you still get away with doing it this time of the year? Uh, or maybe you've got a houseplant that's just not looking too good. Go ahead and give me a call. Shoot me a text. Number down here at Wisdom is, or don't shoot me a text. That doesn't work anymore. But the uh, number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we will be right back. And we are back. And today, uh, between phone calls, we're talking about organics versus synthetics uh, in the way of uh, gardening and dealing with you know issues that might come up with our landscapes. But as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, please go ahead and give me a call. Uh, number down here at Wisdom is 
Now, with everything that I had gotten done saying, am I making fun of uh, the tree-hugging, hippie-type gardeners that go, you know, 100% organic? No. Well, maybe a little bit. But I might lean that way a little bit. But honestly, you know, if given the chance to eat something that is an equal in size and taste, uh, that is grown without chemicals of any kind, uh, to one that might have some traces on it, I'm pretty much going to go the organic way too, you know, going the natural way as well. Uh, and But the, the key word there that I left out is it equal in price. That's the key word. Uh, because... You know, some people might be willing to spend that much. Uh, other people, they may be willing, but they can't afford to. And other people are just like, no, screw this. I'm not going to bother messing around with that stuff. It's too expensive. So, you know, I'm not going to be completely knocking them. But do I condone uh, use of uh, pesticides? Yeah, I do. As long as they're used properly and uh, you obtain the proper knowledge uh, prior to doing an application. Uh, You cannot just, you know, take, anybody can buy a can of Raid and spray a crack in their house for uh, roaches or ants or something like that. But are you doing it correctly? How far off uh, the floor are you supposed to hold the can? Uh, how long should you uh, soak the area for? Is just a little spritz going to work, or do you have to, uh, you know, totally get it wet? Uh, there's so many different variables when using pesticides. You must take the time and read the labels. Uh, when you hear about people getting sick from pesticide use or the use of pesticides, I can almost virtually guarantee that down the line, somebody was misusing them. They did not read the label. They were not follow, or they read it, and they were just not following the uh, directions uh, for the use of the product. Because, uh, you know, the directions are made not by the, uh, uh, the people who produce the chemicals. They're made by the FDA. And they are made to keep us safe. Now, when in the business of doing the applications, granted, some of these uh, safety precautions and such that they uh, give you are way overboard. Uh, But they're there to keep you safe. And I understand the reason why they go way overboard. Because they can't guarantee that generally people are going to uh, try to go the easier route. So, you know, they're going to lean more towards uh, more stringent and uh, stronger uh, applications of doing it correctly than doing it the easier way just to uh, keep you safe because their butt's in a sling too because you can turn around and sue them for giving you the wrong information. So, uh you have to use common sense and the proper knowledge whenever applying pesticides. And, you know, 
when is using pesticides uh, necessary? And to answer that question, it's going to differ somewhat. I think that they're needed when the plant's value is in danger and uh, there is no other, uh, I don't want to just use the word good, no other timely way of uh, curing the issue at hand. Uh, the plant's value is a key phrase in this because, I'm, and I'm not just talking about dollar value too, but I'm talking about how does the plant affect me? Uh, you know, say you've got a maple tree outside. Uh, you know, it's a 50, 60-year-old maple tree. It was there when you bought your house, and so you haven't spent a cent on it. And, yeah, you can replace the tree with, you know, for one, reasonably cheap, uh, and start fresh all over. So, you know, that's not that big of a price uh, deal there. But that maple tree provides shade, and is that shade something that you value? You've got to put a value on that. Uh, is it a vegetable garden or maybe your lawn? Is the value just aesthetic, or do you have something to gain from that plant being in uh, good health? Uh, you know, let's face it. I'm not going to go out in uh, my yard and start spraying insecticides just because I saw something crawling across my lawn. It has to be doing or at least capable and likely of going to do some real damage uh, before a result to using a chemical alternative. And this is one thing I used to get into a lot of arguments with customers about, and that is uh, ants. Everybody freaks out when they see ants on your lawn. I've got ants. You've got to spray my lawn. And, uh, you know, you don't have to. Number one, ants are beneficial to your lawn. Uh, they are very good. Well, the ants are going to go into my house and eat my wood. No, they're not. Termites eat wood. Ants go in and they eat the carpenter ants that you see going into uh, people's houses. Eat rotting wood. And rot spreads like a cancer. So uh, if you get uh, carpenter ants and they're eating away at all as rotting wood, they leave behind the hard wood. And you're good to go. The rot, the rot stops spreading, so the ants are actually helping you. And plus, you don't want to get rid of them from your lawn either. That would be about the worst thing in the world to do. But we got a caller coming in, so let's jump over to the phone lines. Good morning. You're on the Plant Doctor Show, and it looks like this is Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Oh, what can I do for you today? Oh. Um, we're, we're back to trying to figure out this magnolia tree. Hmm. It's our, uh, two and a half years out there in the front yard now. Okay. And, uh, one of Jeannie's helpers came in the other day and said, your tree is blooming. No. Getting fuzzies on it. Did it already and, start? Uh, how do we... Do we put a big shield up so no sun gets to it yet, or what? <laughs> no, you can't do that. Uh, wow. Uh, and you'll, it's that's the bad thing about magnolias in this area. Uh, they 
if we have the slightest bit of a melt, and magnolias are one of the earliest uh, bloomers out there, they get it going, and unfortunately, sometimes you get a freeze, and that usually knocks the blooms right off of them. And uh, they don't have time to regenerate for the uh, next, uh, you know, well, when it warms up for good. Yeah. Uh, but it would, it should still push out some blooms, even though uh, these older, these ones that have already uh, started to form, are going to die off. I wouldn't worry about it that much. Uh, the one thing I do recommend with magnolias, and this will slow that uh, problem down from happening in the future is not so much above the ground. It's uh, on the ground and below it. Put a thick bed of mulch over the roots and use something like shredded bark or something along those lines. Uh, if you put out a little bit of shredded bark in the uh, fall, and I'm talking about just like a quarter inch deep, and okay. uh, you put it out in an area where, you know, you're not going to worry about it killing your grass. Mm-hmm. And... You put it out before the uh, frost hits and gets set into the ground, and you go out there come springtime, and uh, once the snow melts, uh, you know, the rest of the ground is getting soft and soggy. You brush up shredded bark to the side, it's still going to be frozen solid underneath it. Uh, it acts as an excellent thermal blanket. And uh, that's what you're trying to uh, slow down is the roots uh, from – you know, thawing out and waking up and saying, hey, it's time to grow. You know, it's just like, you know, a kid waking up at uh, 1 o'clock in the morning. You don't want to give him a bunch of sugar at that point. Okay. Uh, so uh, you want the plant to stay asleep. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm mentioning around what we, because we had to bring in this really crappy soil when we um, built the house and, you know, landscaping, um, Jeannie and I dug down probably about four and a half feet and went about six feet around. Okay. Built up the dirt as best we could. And built, uh, put mulch and everything in there and then uh, built about a three high brick around the base of it and then put white rock around the tree. Okay. Um, so should we be like getting that rock out of there and doing something else with it, or is that contributing to it? Rock uh, can be very, very pretty around the tree, but it does not have the uh, thermal value, uh, the protection that other types of mulch will give you. Uh, And, well, white will generally uh, reflect the heat, uh, so it does a little bit better than like a, a darker colored rock would, but okay. it's still not going to be the greatest uh, as c- compared to, uh, you know, like I said, shredded bark is about the best thing to use. Okay. And you can get any color uh, of it out there as well. So. so just pull the rock up and throw the bark over it. Mm-hmm. And when you uh, go to put it down, you want to go from uh, zero at the uh, trunk of the tree itself, okay. and bring it out. Oh, how big is your tree right now? Oh, I would say it's probably about six and a half, seven foot tall. Okay, so about the same uh, in diameter as well. Oh no, no, no! Not this even. Is, 
right now I would say it's probably only maybe four, okay. four and a half foot around. Okay, so it's not really going to hurt. Uh, I would say go out about that distance, if not okay. maybe even a little bit further. Uh, you know, away from the uh, trunk itself and go from zero at the trunk out to about a solid three inches deep at the out, you know, outer end. Okay. And that would be your best protection in the long run for it. There's not much you can do about what's happened at this point, though, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. I'm just, uh, we're learning because I know <laughs> we, we have those three uh, Grand Garden granddaughters, Lily, Violet, and Magnolia. Mm -hmm. And we've got the lilies and the violets are, are down pat in our yard, and we had to go for a magnolia tree in order to bring <laughs> So that's that's the, one of the main reasons we, we yeah. uh, put it out there. So. Uh, magnolias are beautiful plants, and I've loved them ever since, you know, we were stationed down in uh, Mississippi. Oh yeah. Oh, this, uh, remember the ones down along the campus down there? Uh, they when they uh, bloom, you'd smell them for miles. It was just gorgeous. Yeah, we would bring the kids down there along um, Highway 90 and just jump out of the car, and it was just like rolling in the leaves up here. Uh -huh. but it blooms of the magnolias; those were beautiful. Mm -hmm. so. uh, yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jeff is a uh, CB as well. <laughs> we served on the same base. You but, uh, and, by the way, uh, Jeff is also uh, a big help to me moving a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was going to give you a call later on see if we can set up a uh, you know date for I can pay you guys back and cook you a nice dinner one of these nights. That sounds good, sit around that new uh, fireplace. Yep. Uh, that would be really nice during the uh, snowstorm that's coming up. Didn't think of that. But, yeah. <laughs> Well, okay. thanks for a great show, as always. Thank you, Jeff, and you have a great day now. You too. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. And that's going to take us to our next break. And uh, That's going to take us to our next break, and we'll be right back here at 1410 WYZM and the Plant Doctor Show in just a minute. Go ahead and give me a call. The number down here at WISM is 608-785-7914. Today, uh, in between phone callers, we're talking about organics versus synthetic uh, products uh, when dealing with issues out in your gardens. And I don't just mean with uh, pesticides either. Uh, you could be talking fertilizers, and uh, there's big differences with organic fertilizer as opposed to, uh, you know, the synthetic fertilizers. One of the easiest ways of determining if the fertilizer that you have is organic or uh, synthetic is the smell. When you go out there to spread it, does it stink to high heaven? If it does, it's probably organic. Uh, because uh, now I'm not saying synthetic fertilizers won't have any scent to them or aroma or odor. Uh a lot of times the urea uh, does coming out having a very ammonia-like uh, smell to it. But it's still better than uh, using malorganite, which is activated human sewer sludge. 
And that's what's on a label. And that's just a really nice way of saying, well, you know what it's saying. Uh, sewer sludge. Yeah, it's poo. And it smells that bad, too, when you're out there putting it down. And also, uh, malorganite is extremely slow release. Uh, as far as your uh, lawn and your plants go, but the nitrogen in it is not slow release as far as diseases go. And some diseases love uh, to grow in a high nitrogen environment. Now, most of the time when you put down fertilizer, uh, it's a tr- it evens things out because, you know, while uh, the fertilizer is usually at least the synthetics are going to be partially quick release, and some of it might be part slow release. But, you know, the plants are going to be able to grow through with at least the quick release uh, portion of it any diseases that uh, might get fired up in the beginning. And, you know, they're able to push out new growth and uh, strengthen and be able to, you know, fight off the uh, disease. Where if you're using malorganite, it takes forever for that stuff to actually become active in the soil as far as the plants are concerned. It's instantly active, though, as far as diseases are concerned. So, and your lawn is not going to be getting the benefit of the fertilizer right away, so it's going to be basically lying there and getting kicked while it's down. And, uh, you know, that's uh, one of those issues uh, dealing with it. Uh, with the organics as well. Uh, you have to be knowledgeable on how these products work. Now, the best pesticide in the world is a very simple one. There's no doubt about it, and I will never argue this. Uh, it's prevention. Most problems can be averted beforehand by using proper growing methods and mechanical intervention without any pesticides. And with mechanical uh, prevention, I mean uh, not necessarily, you know, the use of uh, gasoline-powered engines as far as mechanical goes. I mean, mechanical can be uh, using scarecrows, using uh, uh, those um, wind things, not windmills. Uh, The thing is, you Kids hold on to uh, and wave in the wind. They spin around. I forget what they're called. But, uh, you know, by popping them out in the oven, or out in the oven, uh, popping them out in the uh, yard, uh, the vibrations that they give off keep uh, molds away to some degree. Some degree. It's not perfect. But uh, there's many mechanical methods of, uh, you know, keeping pests at bay. But, you know, you have to get out there and get them going early. Uh, It is much easier to take care of uh, the grubs, even uh, using chemicals, uh, by getting out there and taking care of them before they do any damage. Putting down a prevention that stops the issue from occurring. Because, let's face it, once grubs get going in your lawn, it does not take them long to kill it off. So uh, you want to, you know, deal with them before the problem arises. And that's the way it is for, you know, many uh, different, you know, issues out there. So as far as, you know, 
uh, chemical versus organics. Uh, is there a need for organics in the garden? Without a doubt. Uh, you'd have to be stupid to say that there is no need for that. But at the same time, there is a need for the synthetics as well. Uh, they're made with, you know, we're not living back in the 50s and the 60s and using chlordane and stuff like that for taking out uh, bugs. Uh, the products that are being generated today target things, parts of the uh, insects and uh, plants that are not going to bother humans as much. They're made with, I'm not going to say they're safe, but they're made with keeping uh, humans and pets as safe as possible. And like I said, we're not back in the 50s and the 60s and those old-time uh, pesticides anymore. Okay, that's going to take care of the show for this week. We'll be back here next week at 1410 WYZM. And remember, anybody can have a green thumb. All you need is a campaign. <laughs>